0: What do a business meeting, a cocktail party, and a press conference all have in common? Well, they're just about the last place you'd expect to encounter a donkey. Unless, of course, you're Charlie Finney. He was a bit of a jackass himself. Okay, maybe he was eccentric. The ever charismatic, yet mildly tumultuous owner of the Kansas City A's baseball team who'd do anything to get people's attention. Like bringing a donkey to a formal setting meant for humans. Unlike any baseball franchise owner, Charlie knew he had to get the fans' attention. But the question he never seemed to ask was, will having a donkey berating reporters come back to, unintended, bite him in the ass? Charlie had worked in the steel mills of Indiana. That, plus the life experiences that gave him his impossibly white hair, made him a physical force to be reckoned with. If you weren't intimidated by his energy, his business ideas were sure to do the trick. Once he purchased the team in 1960, he looked for a way to bring in new fans. It all started with the donkey. Swapping out the old elephant mascot for the new and improved donkey named Charlie O. As if naming it after himself wasn't enough, human Charlie brought Donkey Charlie everywhere, much to the chagrin of seemingly everyone. The donkey munched on the field, munched on reporters' notebooks, and pretty much munched on everything. The press, in turn, weren't his biggest fans. He quickly learned that owning a team was one thing. Owning a winning team was another task entirely. Eager to make big on his investment, Charlie started experimenting. The donkey helped him gain some attention. But that wasn't it for Charlie. He had to keep pushing the envelope. So a few seasons later, Charlie went after the uniforms. See, back then, baseball uniforms were pretty subdued normally white with maybe a pinstripe thrown in, which was fine and fashionable. But for Charlie, it was not. He changed the color palette completely. His players now wore bright green, yellow, and white, with white shoes instead of black. One reporter famously commented that they should have come out of the dugout on tippy-toes, holding hands and singing. Needless to say, his efforts were a swing and a miss. But he decided to go even bolder, pushing the envelope further than anyone in sports history. And so he did what any other marketing executive in the 1960s would have done given the budget. He capitalized on Beatlemania. In 1964, the Beatles were touring the U.S. and wreaking havoc in the hearts of American youth. Charlie saw everyone swooning over the Beatles on TV. And he realized that if they could be that fanatic over one boy band they could be that fanatic over his players too. He was tracking down anyone who could get him to the Beatles. And he's willing to break show business spending records to get them in his stadium. He offered them $1.4 million in today's money for just a 30 minute set. The most anyone had ever been offered. So the Beatles took a detour from New Orleans up to Kansas City. Now never willing to give up the spotlight, The tickets featured Charlie's name more than anyone else's, and had a huge picture of him in a Beatles wig on the back. John Lennon went on record being famously anti-Charlie and his tactics, but, hey, he got butts in seats. Now, despite his reputation, Charlie continued to pull some far-fetched ideas out of his hat. He'd host cow milking and greased pig contests to get people to attend games. He put a sheep pasture outside a right field and a zoo in left field, He had Miss USA be a backgirl and put up a robotic rabbit behind the home plate that would present new baseballs to the umps. There were constant fireworks and balloons to the point he got a cease and desist from the neighbors. There was no stone Charlie was willing to leave unturned when it came to marketing his team. His never-ending antics, however, left him with a bad reputation on and off the field. He was notorious for never being pleased with management, players, or even groundskeepers. Constantly firing, hiring, and trading. All in the name of a better fan experience or a better team. Even if proof of that logic was unseen to others. If someone didn't like what he was doing, they were gone. And if they were mad about it, well, they were sued. His reputation was large, and to be honest, it wasn't the best. So after years and years of thinking outside the box and making larger-than-life marketing campaigns, Charlie was at a loss. Kansas City people just weren't fans of the A's. His team was bottom of the barrel and no gimmick or circus act was going to change the number of wins they had got, which weren't that many. And then in 1968, all of his work paid off. Charlie was about to make it big. So grab those peanuts and Cracker Jacks, because today, we're knocking this episode out of the park.
1: Welcome to Often Imitated, a podcast about remarkable experiences from the past and how they inspire people to create great customer experiences today. This episode is all about being willing to experiment and pushing the envelope. How Charlie Finley made a name for himself through seemingly absurd marketing tactics that brought the Kansas City and Oakland A's decades of success and what CX leaders can learn from him today. Today, we'll hear from Adam Grossman, CMO of Boston Red Sox and Fenway Sports Group. He's going to give us a deep dive into what marketing in the major leagues is like. And trust me, you won't want to miss it. But first, a word from our sponsors. Often Imitated is brought to you by the generous support of our friends at Oracle. Make every interaction matter with Oracle Advertising and CX. Connect all your data and empower your entire business to deliver exceptional customer experiences from acquisition to retention and everything in between hear more executive perspectives on CX Transformation at oracle.com slash CX.
0: In the late 60s, times were changing in the minor league. There was starting to be some serious talent and Charlie was making all the right deals, which ended up getting the franchise moved to good old Oakland, California, where this podcast is recorded a fresh start for a fresh team, and their fortunes quickly changed. They went from lackluster showcase in Kansas City to winning three straight World Series from 1972 to 1974 and five straight division titles. Suddenly, some of Charlie's far-fetched ideas were starting to gain traction. It helped that now he was the face of a winning franchise, but he was also just starting to figure things out. For every mechanical rabbit and donkey at cocktail parties, he'd come up with something stellar. He championed the idea of having a designated hitter, which is now an MLB standard practice, much to many people's chagrin. And it was his idea to start having World Series games at night so more fans could attend. And even now, more teams are wearing brightly colored uniforms. Charlie's never-ending desire to push the boundaries of sports helped cement the legacy of the A's. He continuously made seemingly absurd choices, yet time and time again, they paid off. And sure, over the years, the A's have had their trials and tribulations. And as an A's fan, it can be pretty crazy sometimes. Baseball is an old game. America's pastime. And the fan experience has changed so much over the years. Unfortunately for us, today's guest is making all of the right moves. Adam Grossman is the CMO of the Boston Red Sox and Fenway Sports Group. He has spent his time there constantly pushing the envelope, and innovating their approach to marketing. Later on, he'll share a behind-the-scenes look at Red Sox marketing. But first, what does the CMO of a major sports franchise even do?
2: We are the kind of our connective tissue between the club and the fans. And what we want to do is develop the relationships on a variety of different platforms of technology to be as strong as possible to try to make sure that the next 100 years for the Red Sox, in terms of the fanaticism, the passion for the organization, the ballpark of the game, is as strong as the last 100 years have been. And at a high level, that's what we do. In addition, and as part of that, we've focused a lot on exporting the brand to our fan base, how we're extending it, working with Major League Baseball to expand the and extend the footprint of baseball and the Red Sox, and then also be innovative and to try to figure out, again, how do we grow the next generation of Red Sox fans? So that's at a high level. I think it, when you get into the weeds, it's social media content, digital media, our digital advertising strategy. The other piece for us that's it's big, and in addition to the brand, is just obviously the business. And so that's one thing for marketing. We want to make sure that we are part of the revenue function, and not only just establishing connections with fans, but also driving revenue, and growth. And so we partner with ticket sales, our corporate partnerships team, and also our analytics team to present ourselves on a day-to-day basis to drive our largest revenue streams, which are principally ticketing, but also in, in our sponsorship world as well. For us as a department, our principal focus is driving people to the ballpark as a revenue initiative. It's to get people here to the ballpark. Part of that is we believe that if you come to one game at Fenway, go on a tour of Fenway, you will be a fan for life. And it is a destination. It is an incredible experience.
0: With an institution as famous as the Boston Red Sox, it can be even harder to push for innovation. Someone like Charlie Finley was a little erratic in how he approached innovation in the sport, but he still brought about some significant change. Adam and his team are taking a much more measured approach.
2: I think there have been experiences and other teams where we say, we're all, we just flip the lights on and people will come. And we're lucky because we have this massive history and iconic ballpark. And we have a lot of sort of natural resources from a brand and a sports standpoint that. A lot of other teams don't have, and that's something that we inherited. I think what we've tried to do is extend that, augment that, innovate that, and really take that bedrock of history and evolve it into what fans want and demand and need today. And that's incredibly powerful. It's been incredibly fun to do that. But at the core of this is about relationships and knowing that at the end of the day, we are here for our fans, and that this is a public trust as as much as it is anything else.
0: One of the biggest changes in fan experience is the rise of social media.
2: We've been incredibly fortunate to have four World Series championships. And the way we've covered those have been all different. And part of that is in '04, social media really wasn't a thing. And we still had millions of people here for the parade. And you had to, you literally had to be there. It, feel it and experience it and there still is no substitute for that but when you fast forward to remember especially in 2013 because we our social channels were stronger than our team our marketing team was stronger than our whole point going into that october was we have to be where fans can't be and that was all about in the clubhouse in on these road trips kind of giving them the experience of what an october even for a front office member, feels like, and just to be there. And that was the first time for us that we could really run and I think provide a window into our fans about what October really feels like.
0: Social media is a massive landscape for marketers to tackle, obviously. Adam knows that getting the attention of a possible fan and maintaining it is key. So they have a segmented approach to up their odds of success.
2: The transformation for us has been looking at content that is platform specific. So what we put on Twitter a lot of that is going to be information related, baseball information related. It's in it's information is the key. On Instagram, as an example, it's about individuality, player personality and emotion. And so there will be it's not like we're only focusing on one particular player, but the idea around going into what our players may be wearing at the coming to the ballpark, how they're getting to the ballpark, the cultural relevant elements that go beyond the white lines of a baseball field. Instagram is that platform. Facebook is a little bit of of both. And there's a lot of advertising and marketing and targeting that we're doing across platform as well. And our spends and also the advertising that we're creating is also customized to that platform and that segment as well. So what we have gone from is looking at content as just a general bucket to saying, all right, that's not good enough anymore. How do we specialize and target the segments that we're looking for? Or the, again, when we know that there are some superstar elements, there are some highlights that everyone's going to want to be a part of, but what those look like, how those The length of those, the feel of those can differ from platform to platform. And that's really where our growth in the department and our skill set has been is to make sure that we are across platform and putting the right content on the right platform to, to meet the demands of our fans.
0: Now, all of this social media promotion is amazing. But at the end of the day, Adam needs to make sure butts are in seats. He knows that pushing great online content is integral to having a personalized, Fan experience.
2: You're a very different fan than I am. And so we want to make sure that you're getting the information and the content that you want that sparks your attention and that I get the experience and the content that I want, which can be very different things. Now, the unifier going back is the brand is the dynamic around Fenway Park and the Red Sox and competing and championships. But the experience itself and what I'm looking for on a day-to-day basis may be very different. And that's what we're trying to figure out and to be, frankly be even better at, which is to deliver the content on the right platform to the right segment on our fans' terms and being as specific as possible in that.
0: With the advent of social media... Adam has been able to completely transform the traditional Boston Red Sox fan experience. There was one aspect of Fenway Park that seemed too sacred to innovate. Yet in 2003, they decided to push the envelope and experiment with the most famous baseball landmark in the world.
2: Putting seats on top of the green monster was a huge deal in 2003. And Tom Werner had this concept of, you see a fly ball over the monster that becomes a home run and it lands into a net there's a better experience there to be had and you you take that concept and then you put the monster seats there and there is very much intentionality around what do those seats look like because it is the literally the biggest landmark in baseball and you want seats that blend in with the natural look feel and texture of the ballpark and this landmark. And so that vision of what it could be, the details of what it ended up being and having the guts to say, you know what, like we have to evolve this and we're going to go right at the biggest landmark in, in baseball and do something completely different and having that bold ambition to do it. Those are all things that I think, again, as I was an intern, basically, when that project was underway. But I think, again, those tent poles are still relevant for CMOs and for organizations today, which is it has to keep constantly moving.
0: Having that bold ambition is a critical character trait of a successful CX leader. Now, say what you will about Charlie Finley, the man was bold and that helped build an institution. When we let ourselves take risks and experiment, amazing things can happen, even if it seems a little scary
2: you've got to push yourself to be a little bit nervous and to be able to push the envelope. Because if you play it safe the whole time, you're just going to have safe results and you're not going to have the powder kegs of opportunity.
0: A powder keg of opportunity sounds like something we don't want to miss out on. And it's only done by being bold and pushing things forward. Adam and his team struck gold again with another experiment that they did, which actually kind of takes a page out of Charlie's handbook in a way.
2: Last year, we launched and we were the first team to launch this City Connect jersey and uniform with Nike. We've been working with Nike for about three years. And when they did their deal with Major League Baseball to be the uniform provider, we raised our hand and said, you don't know us that well this is a new relationship, but you may think of us as a traditional 95-year-old brand. It just wanted to make sure that you know that we are willing to experiment and to push the envelope to do something very different than you may think. And so we ended up launching in April of last season our City Connect jersey, which was all yellow and had no red and no white on it. And it was a complete departure of anything that we had ever done. And we weren't sure about what the take was going to be from our fans, but it was meant to represent, we launched it on Patriots Day because Patriots Day weekend is something that is unique to Boston. The whole weekend of the marathon and honoring Patriots Day is something that it's really Boston's weekend. And what we also did was we wanted to use it in a way, and use this yellow, shatter this traditional glass and mentality that some people may think about us. And we launched it on a campaign with local, diverse influencers and cultural catalysts that really represented the new Boston. And we were overwhelmed by the response because the social content actually eclipsed what opening day was, which is unheard of for us. You couldn't find the merchandise because it sold out so quickly. Nike sold out on their channels in a matter of hours. It was really an extraordinary launch. And I think it helped pave the way for a mentality of we are always pushing the envelope and we're so lucky to have these this tradition and this 90 this 100 year old footprint but we need to continually evolve it and that goes from an experience standpoint at Fenway Park what our players are wearing how we're approaching content and how we're opening up the organization to the next generation and that's before you get into again whether it's Gaming and Web 3.0 and all and sports betting and all the other sort of elements that are we're now seeing and experimenting and trying to figure out. But there are some things now that we're really focused on that I think are pretty prime examples of how important it is to push through tradition.
0: Adam and his team were bold enough to take action on a new partnership and an out of the box idea, and the results speak for themselves. When we give ourselves and our marketers the freedom to explore and experiment we can make each other and every customer experience a home run.
2: Continuity of experimentation and knowing that you just can't stand still no matter how strong a brand, no matter how many wins you have to keep pushing forward is something
0: that's really been fundamental to our growth. Creating a culture of experimentation has been crucial for Adam and his team's success. To close out, he has some more advice for marketers.
2: I would say there's maybe two pieces of advice. One is, just even as a marketer, you have to love your product. You really, you have to believe in what you are marketing and be emotionally connected to it. That's first piece of advice. Second piece of advice is to listen. And that could be listening to fans, listening to employees, listening to outside experts. I think from marketing, understanding and being able to take a step back and listen to what people's experiences are, what their aspirations are, what didn't go well, is critical to devising impactful marketing initiatives on a systemic basis. And so I think both of those, having a real passion for your company, your product, your venue, and then also having a real open mind in which to listen and be nimble and to really understand what fans are consumers want and are going through is critical to being effective in marketing
0: armed with a love for our product the investment from our fans and a commitment to experiment there's only a path to success that lies ahead charlie and adam are both examples of bold innovative leaders who have taken their huge institutions and actually changed them albeit in very different ways Sometimes we can feel like cogs in the machine at older companies, but the needle can be moved. It just requires a little bravery. So this week, your homework is to be bold. That idea that you've scribbled on a post-it note, share it at the next meeting. Experiment, take up space, and push the envelope. Because if you don't, somebody else might. This podcast is brought to you by the generous support of our friends at Oracle. Make every interaction matter with Oracle Advertising and CX. Connect all your data and empower your entire business to deliver exceptional customer experiences from acquisition to retention and everything in between. Hear more executive perspectives on CX transformation at oracle.com/cx. This is your host Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Thank you for listening to another episode of Often Imitated. If you like what you're hearing, just tell one friend. This podcast was narrated by me, Ian Faison written and produced and edited by Mackie Bolson, John Libby, and Ezra Baker Trippiano. You can learn more about our team at CaspianStudios.com. So grab some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I don't care if you ever come back, but I really do. Please come back and keep listening to this podcast. Thank you.